This is the Transmission Times special episode on Feed the Frontlines NYC. This story did sort of start back on March 9th when I woke up to the sound of my roommate crying and she told me that our college experience was over. We had to pack up all of our things and go home because of the virus. We were all sort of feeling pretty sorry for ourselves at college. And then I had a conversation with my dad about the restaurant. I think he was bracing himself for a really scary possibility that he would have to close them down. My wife and kids will tell you that food for me is vital. I think it's not a coincidence that I started restaurants. Food is vital because food is not just calories. Food is nourishment for the soul when it's prepared well and it's prepared with care. And sure enough, on that Sunday, de Blasio ordered that all restaurants in New York City close except for takeout and delivery. And so my father made the painful decision to close four of his five restaurants and lay off 95 of his 102 employees. My name is Kate Felsen Di Pietro, and along with my husband Luca Di Pietro, I'm the owner of the Taraluce Vino Restaurant Group. Daughter Isabella Di Pietro and son Ian Di Pietro. I co-founded Feed the Frontlines Front NYC. NYC. Luckily, a friend of my mom's who lives in Toronto, Adair Roberts, heard about what was happening to my dad's restaurants and said, I could donate money and they could use the funds to pay for meals that they would then deliver to healthcare workers battling COVID-19 on the front lines. On March 19th, we delivered 40 hot meals to the ER staff at NYU Langone at Tisch Hospital down on First Avenue and 30th Street. When the nurses and doctors came out to receive the meals, I saw in their eyes how much they appreciated what we were doing and how much they loved the fact that people from the outside were thinking of them. My husband was coming home with stories about the ICU and the challenges they were facing and the great sadness they were seeing with patients so critically ill without their loved ones next to them. These patients are all alone. There's no visitors allowed, you know, no family there at all, and it must be so scary to feel alone. So you just try to be their support system, their family, their friend, just to make them feel better in any small way you can. And telling stories about the fear that he was seeing in all the staff that was working in the hospital, and some people's feeling that they were being forgotten by the community as they work so hard in this high-risk, scary situation. The last thing that you're thinking about is yourself in a time like this. You barely sleep and you definitely don't think about bringing lunch or what you're gonna have for dinner when you get home. One of the comments was that they were so busy already and that restaurants around them were closing that finding a meal was becoming more and more difficult and uh, having someone from the outside bringing food in was just invaluable. That same night, I spoke with Isabella, my daughter, and uh, I said, this might be a way for us and our restaurant to help out during the pandemic. I think I stayed up until around 
5 or 6 a.m. working on the website and we were able to build it and launch it within 16 hours of when Isabella first reached out to me. The website of NYC.org was up and running and within 24 hours we raised $25,000. I mean it was crazy how easy that was. Feed the front lines meant to help health workers and later on people in need uh, to make it them to feel that somebody somewhere thought about them and uh, to cheer them somehow with a warm plate. And keeping restaurant workers on the job and the restaurants themselves open. Luca and I spoke one morning about staying alive. What's next? How much worse will this get? I asked him how those deliveries were actually going. It was March 27th, and he was alone and heading out to Beth Israel, right down the street from us here on 17th Street. And uh, he asked me to join. I said, from that day forward, my wife Yvette and I never stopped. <laughs> I think for the next almost 60 days and nights straight. Every time we made deliveries of meals to hospitals, the reaction was pretty similar. It was always like, oh my God, thank you. We love this so much. Is this a lasagna there? Do you have those cranberry cookies? You know, oh my God, we love this. What kind of pasta we have today? Thank you guys so much. I mean, we heard that over and over again at lots of different hospitals early on. They look forward to seeing us every day. Doctors, old doctors, young doctors, med school students that were thrown on the front line. Nurses, you know, nurses from Kansas, nurses from Texas, nurses from Florida. Just really incredible administrators, security personnel, your drivers, on-site logistics guys, janitors. You know, you could have been a, and we've seen it, an ophthalmologist or a physical therapy physician that's working the front line, working the ER. They all were fed, and you know, we were the good humor guy to them. And then when we started feeding people who were living in supportive housing and the people taking care of them. We would get, you guys are awesome. Oh my God, we love lasagna. Or where are you guys coming from? We can't believe this. Thank you so much. How did you hear about us? Thank you. Thank you so much. This means so much. We got that over and over again, and it never got old, to be honest. It doesn't get old today as we continue to provide meals. What was it like to receive a meal from Feed the Frontlines? It was wonderful. We were blessed to get it. You know, I mean, a lot of us can't go out to the stores. A lot of us can't cook. So it, it was a blessing. And the food was good. It was good. Not everything, but it was good. Meals from Feed the Frontlines have meant sustenance on a very basic level. Sustenance on very busy, sometimes tragic days. I come from a neighborhood that is food impoverished. It's been very, very nice to have a organization that has food for me and my family. But they've also meant a time for a community, a time for physicians in our hospital to come together, to share their experiences with each other, sometimes to provide solace, encouragement. I really am touched by strangers uh, making the food for us that have lost their jobs due to the pandemic. So. I feel that the whole program is pretty cool. 
they've really highlighted and energized the sense of altruism, the sense of selflessness that many got into medicine for. It helped a lot. Uh, I have a seven-year-old son who also staying home, and it just helped a lot with that situation. I remember the first week our unit turned to COVID, I was all over the place trying to adjust. I was trying to get into some sort of groove and not even remembering to take a break and eat. Then my charge nurse sent a message out that Feed the Frontlines had delivered food to our unit, and it just felt like the nicest thing ever. As far as the people, you know, I'd say with each one, if that person that we got to know over all of these days and nights could hug us on the other side and knew that we'd be safe, we believe they'd never let go. Yo creo que lo que voy a recordar para siempre I believe that what I will always remember is preparing myself for the first day. Getting to cook, load up the car, and go to the hospitals wearing a mask and gloves, while facing a real sense of fear, because we were putting over self at risk of being exposed to this illness. It was very difficult. But I think that things changed for me on the first day that I went, and so the looks of the light, emotion, and gratitude on the faces of all those who receive our food, and who then express how great the food was and how fortunate they felt to receive it, to be a part of Feed the Frontline. They wanted to thank everyone who contributed and made it possible for the program to be carried out. It was very, very satisfying to see their faces filled with such a gratitude and joy. And I think this is what I'm going to remember for the rest of my life with a sense of satisfaction and great pride that I was able to be a part of Feed the Frontlines. We knew a lot of people that never opened their door. It's incredible. From March all the way through August, never came out. Here we were at every emergency room on a daily basis. Kind of crazy. But this work had to be done. And... uh I can't help but think that uh, we were chosen to actually do that. You know, that didn't happen by accident. I always say that. Our teams ate like they never had on any deployment previous. They were absolutely astounded at the quality of the food. They were eating from local restaurants that were world famous, like Cat's Deli. But I will never forget getting a text from my contact at Samaritan's Purse the day that Katz's Deli delivered them lunch. Katz's has obviously been around for 133 years. And Mark texted me and he was like, oh my God, what are these sandwiches? What is this? And I said, I think you just got famous pastrami sandwiches from Katz's Deli. He's like, oh my God, we can't get enough of these. These are the best. And I just got a real kick out of this organization of evangelical Christians from North Carolina, you know, chowing down on these wonderful sandwiches made by a famous Jewish delicatessen in the Lower East Side of New York City. I personally made a delivery on a Sunday in early May, and uh, Ralph James came out to collect, I believe it was 50 meals, and he turned to me and said, you guys are from Taraluce Vino and Feed the Front Lines. You have those amazing cookies. And I said, what cookies are you referring to? The cranberry cookies, he said. Those cookies are awesome. 
when you take a bite, you feel a cranberry swirling in your mouth with the sugar coming right behind it. It gives you such a rush. <laughs> and the cookies are so light and fluffy. It's like you went to heaven and came back with a glass of milk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. We have an ice pop, ice cream, and sweets company. So our season is very short and we were getting ready for our high season to rehire, you know, getting ready for concerts and all of these events and outdoor carts that we have and none of that happened. So 90% of our revenue pretty much disappeared. Por el otro lado, también, digo, estamos... On the other hand, we also have things for which to be thankful. We are very grateful that Feed the Frontlines invited us to participate, which gave us the opportunity to bring every one of our employees back to work. The dishwashers, all those who prepare the food, the women who help us make the tortillas, and those who help us clean everything fresh and clean. For us, being involved in the Feed the Frontlines was incredible because it provided a lifeline in many ways to be able to, you know, have some income coming in that's not just us, but our employees, some of our employees we were able to rehire and that was incredible. Many of the residents that we have do not even have on-site ability to cook. They live in apartments called single room occupancy where they are required to cook in communal kitchens. It was very helpful to my kitchen because it helped us to, to not have to prepare meals and it also helped the residents to stay out the kitchen to stop the spread of the COVID-19 virus. What did these meals mean to you? Oh, it meant everything. It meant that people cared enough to make sure us old people eat. Exactly. That's what that's all about. It delights me to know that there are organizations out there that truly care for the welfare of strangers. There's something about a warm, homemade meal that just makes you feel loved. And when the world is seemingly falling apart in front of your eyes, knowing that someone out there went out of their way to do something good for you really means a lot to people. So Feed the Frontline came to our lives when the business was just making the minimum. I think that if we didn't have Feed the Frontlines, we would have had to like close our business like many other thousands of restaurants that have closed throughout the city. The free meals that I have received meant to me that someone out there actually cares and they are willing to help those in need and not only just help themselves. These meals uh, have meant a lot because I was able to save some money by snatching up these meals from Feed the Front Line. They came in handy for lunch or dinner. And there was a time where money was tight. It meant for me that I didn't have to spend my last few hard-earned dollars on putting a warm meal or groceries on the table for me and my family. It most importantly meant for me as a single parent that I had additional outside support system other than family members as they have been affected by this pandemic as well. And I noticed that some other people that are not as fortunate as me 
these meals really meant a lot for them. Say if somebody came and they got four meals, those four meals would last people for two days, so that would be good for them. So if somebody is picking up four meals every day and four times five is 20, they're basically set. Not set, but they would be okay. They wouldn't go hungry. They would have something to eat. Simply put, Feed the Frontlines NYC has allowed my dad's restaurants to, you know, stay alive and keep business going. During the height of the pandemic, when all the restaurants were shut down, my staff was able to come back, you know, cooks and waiters, and uh, we all pivoted and, uh, you know, my head bartender and my manager became delivery guys. We made do and uh, we found a purpose. You know, my sister and I are still in college. It's very expensive. Without Feed the Frontlines NYC, it would have been very tough for, you know, that to continue. It's given me a purpose. It's given me a sense of direction after years of feeling like, you know, I'm interested in lots of different things. I love food. I love feeding people and I love to learn and I don't really know what I want to do with my career. It's given me a sense of focus and purpose and conviction that what we're doing is right. Give me a reason to keep going and to live. I have to say, I, uh, I really don't know what I would have done had I not started Feeder for Onlines. For us, every night we went to bed and said to each other, did we get too close? You know, lots of nights we thought we caught it. We had sweats, we had chills, we had coughs. We always woke up the next morning saying we felt great, and we did. I think the hardest part of the pandemic has been Certainly the, the tragic loss, uh, indiscriminate to race, to gender, to age, to, in many cases, comorbidities. Uh, that has certainly been the worst part of the pandemic. When you're around it the way we were around it, you know, when you saw those ambulances coming in right past us, right on us, opening those doors, patients getting out, young kids, you know, older people, you know, hacking, coughing, and no matter what you had on, face shields, your N95 masks, gloves, anything. You thought that it didn't matter. It just didn't matter that if it was airborne, we were getting it. The hardest part of this pandemic for me was that I lost my mother early in April to COVID. And that was and still is very difficult. You couldn't get no mask at a point. You couldn't get the N95 because they said there was only for people that worked in the hospitals or people that really needed it. And regular people couldn't find masks. Um, people were afraid. So what's been the hardest part of this pandemic for you? The mask. <laughs> the mask. It, it's just like, it drives me crazy. But I'm going to be real honest. Mm -hmm. I have not let it hinder me okay. at all. all right. Because if you stop and let that take over, it wins. Mm -hmm. And I'm a fighter. The hardest part, just seeing the pain that people were in and not having the resources of having a warm meal and all these pantry lines that were so long and, and you just saw the need in the city and it was just a scary time for everyone just because we just didn't know what was going to happen. And I still think, you know, even though 
things are getting better, there's still that fear in people's hearts where they don't know what's going to be next. I remember there was a time where individuals didn't even know when they would be able to purchase their next roll of toilet paper because there wasn't any left to buy. The hardest part of the pandemic is, I think, watching the city close down, seeing businesses shut down, seeing workers not working, seeing people priced out of their apartments, uh, experiencing New York taking a few steps back, which is just sad to see. I am a lifelong New Yorker and I hate to see that. There have been a couple of unexpected things about this pandemic. I'm going to leave off with the worst to me, which would be the total disrespect of the way law enforcement or police were treating black people in the beginning of the pandemic. There was countless videos of Police just beating up people because they didn't have a mask on or they were standing next to somebody and they was asked to put a mask on. It's one incident where they just totally disrespect this young black lady in the train station in New York City and she was with her daughter. Then the George Floyd incident happened. And after that, everything just went crazy after the George Floyd. I guess people just said enough is enough. Everybody just lost it. So everybody's in an uproar. We have a two-year-old, and it takes a lot of effort to try to keep the lights on of a business with so much uncertainty. And we started doing all these things that required us to be full-time in a way that I haven't needed to be in years. So on a personal level, just the sacrifice of, you know, not being able to be with him. I will remember starting to walk to go to work. I live in Harlem, so it's an hour walk. Uh, I got up very early in the morning to, I still do, to walk there, to not take the public transportation. The buses are very crowded in early morning. So I walk and I, I open the place to be ready at 8 a.m. and uh, to cheer mostly, like the people that kept coming. You know, I definitely never thought that things would remain just as uncertain now as they were back in March. We're still not there yet. It's really, really stressful. It's really, really hard. Luca is really trying really hard to keep Tara Lucia Vino going. And Feet the Front Lines is the light in this kind of dark space that we're all in. Even now with outdoor dining and on the surface, it looks like people are out enjoying themselves in New York City restaurants again, but look closely at the bottom line and it's not good. It's gonna get better, I think, keeping a hopeful state of mind and understanding that this too will pass has definitely allowed us to wake up every morning and just give the best of what we can. I'm hoping for us to get back to a almost close to normal life and just being able to be surrounded with uh, my family and friends and just being able to come back to school and having, you know, my child go back to school and interact with other kids and 
you know, getting back to a semi-normal life. Certainly hoping for a vaccine. Both our institution and many others are working very hard in clinical trials to develop a vaccine. And certainly I'm looking forward to that to slow this pandemic down. What's been a good thing about this pandemic? Not a thing. (laughs) Not a thing. Certainly looking for 2020 to come to an end for many reasons, I can tell you that. For me as an immigrant, One of the first things that I thought about were all of the undocumented workers because, you know, they are not protected, they're never protected, yet they pay, you know, their taxes, they contribute to society, they're a big part of the food industry, and it's something that, you know, is not talked about often. I'm hoping that it starts a conversation and people are aware of it and that they're not treated as second-class citizens. As someone who's seen many disasters, who's literally been all over the world in the aftermath of hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, in war zones, and infectious disease outbreaks like Ebola, what astounded me most about New York was the people, the kindness, the generosity, the overwhelming generosity, where people would show up at the gates to our little Central Park Clinic, and they would have their arms full of donations of food of every sort you can possibly imagine. You know, 10 and 11 o'clock at night, people would bring hot meals so that our overnight staff could have hot meals for their midnight lunch. And it was, again, beyond anything we could have possibly hoped for. Starting the Feed the Front Lines made me realize that any one of us who has an idea and the courage to change course and pivot can make a difference. Uh, We made a small difference during the pandemic and we're still making a difference. I've never been in a situation where I've seen so many people come together and identify with the same needs, whether it be rich, poor, you know, from anywhere in the world, we've all know what it is to not have a job or not have enough food or run out of masks or, you know, just being anxious going into the grocery store or just running errands or just living on with life in general. It's like all of us need to unite, man. That's right, that's right. We need to unite and get it together. Otherwise, we're all going down. That's right. And you got to keep Jesus in your life. Amen. I just feel very grateful that we have been able to get involved with Feed the Frontlines. And hopefully we can continue because even now, like the future of our business, like most other businesses in, in the food industry, is still kind of somewhat in the air. In the short term, we're just doing our best every single day to keep this going for the restaurants we've been working with. And in the long term, I think we're really pushing to rethink the future of restaurants, to rethink what they are to their communities and how they can serve a higher purpose. Restaurants are part of the fabric of New York City, are part of the fabric of the various neighborhoods, and uh, they are willing and able to 
care for their neighbors in need. One day maybe we'll even have a party all together in one of the event spaces that we have above our restaurant on 18th Street and bring all the restaurant workers and all the owners together and raise a glass that we've survived this pandemic and we survived it by doing well by each other and by our communities. To support Feed the Frontlines and all of the people you just heard, please visit their website, feedthefrontlinesnyc.org. You can also see if there's a Feed the Frontlines near you. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Kate, Luca, Isabella, Ian, Mark, David, Rita, Kino, and the senior lady he interviewed, John, Stephanie, Edith, another Stephanie, Adair, Dan, Renee, Catherine, Tamara, Another John, Ivan, Julie, Ralph, Megan, Alta Gracia, Fanny, another Julie, and Tony, whose voices you heard here. I'd like to say a very heartfelt thank you to the DiPietros for all of their efforts connecting me with everyone who was touched by Beat the Front Lines. Special thanks goes to Angie, Mindy, Jalet, Kylie, Isabel, Jared, Jill, Annie, and Joni as well as the Borough of Manhattan Community College, the Westside Federation for Senior and Supportive Housing, NYU Langone Hospital, and Mount Sinai Hospital. Santiago Baena was the English voiceover. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has collected audio diaries from around the world, but there are many stories we haven't heard. If yours is one of them, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your stories of what you'll never forget from this pandemic. You can do that in one of two ways. You can record on your smartphone using an app like Voice Memos and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call our phone number 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. They dealt us cards and then they made us fold Cause we've all been